At the ripe age of 31, I feel like uh, I need to mention this because I've had an older gentleman than me always tell me how encouraged they were by uh, how young I was and and, and involved I was and and different things like that. But this morning, we had a 12-year-old leading worship on the drums, and that was just awesome that Micah would even be willing to serve. I think back when I was 12 years old, I may have won a bang on the drums, but I couldn't have done exactly what Micah did this morning. So I just give Micah just encouragement, and uh, thank you, Micah, so much. I was blessed. I was blessed to see that this morning, and he did a great job. So uh, this morning, like I said, we are going to be continuing our prayer series on uh, what we've been kind of answering questions. And the question we asked this morning is, what does it mean to pray without ceasing? And I do have a question I want to ask you guys this morning. Please raise your hand right now if you are currently breathing. Doc, we're good. Okay, everybody, I saw all the hands, all right? Well, I hope that I saw all the hands because it is, it is something that we, we, we just do. If I had to ask our hands of raise of hands again, I don't think anybody in here had to tell themselves, oh, yeah, I need to breathe. That's not how our minds and our bodies work. They just naturally breathe, right? Breathing is something that we just consciously do because if we don't, we die, and I'm not, I didn't check with Doc on this, but I, I trust the internet. Nobody, that's never worked for anybody, right? But it says that after four minutes of not breathing, brain, the brain loses oxygen and permanent damage is beginning to happen. And after about six minutes of not breathing, death is imminent. Is that internet right, Doc? Okay, I should have checked with you. I trust you way more than the internet. But breathing is something that we have to do in order for our bodies to stay alive. Our bodies need oxygen in order for it to function. And that means that we must be breathing without ceasing, right? I like this analogy of breathing in comparison to our prayer lives because I believe that without praying, our spiritual bodies can become dead. That is the reason Paul says in 1 Thessalonians 5.17, pray without ceasing. But what does that mean? Are we to be praying at every moment, in every single second of every single day? I believe that a, a, a spiritually healthy individual, just like breathing, is in a constant state of prayer without even having to think about it. But how do we get to that point? How do we get there? Why, do we, why are we not there already? That's where I hope we can look today in our efforts to answer the question, what does it mean to pray without ceasing? And Josh, how can we get there to that point? So our passage this morning is 1 Thessalonians 5.17. If you have your Bibles, you can turn there. I hope we can memorize this verse. I don't know if this was on the Bible memory memorization verse list. If it was, this is a give me. It is this, pray without ceasing. And before I start, let's not kid ourselves that there's no way Josh can preach as long as he normally does on three words. Challenge accepted. But this is an important challenge that Paul has given to the church in Thessalonica and to us today to pray without 
ceasing. So let's bow our heads and pray. Dear Heavenly Father, we thank you, Father, for this morning. God, we thank you for the opportunity we have to gather. But Father, God, most importantly, we thank you for the opportunity we have to dive into your word. Father, God, we, your word is powerful. It, it pierces our hearts, and God, it has power. And Father, Father, this morning as we dive into it, seeking through your word what it means to pray without ceasing and the benefits that we receive from that, God. Lord, I pray, Lord, that our hearts are, are, are pricked, our hearts are encouraged are encouraged, and Father God, we walk away here today understanding what it means to be in that constant state of prayer. God, I just ask right now, you empty me of myself, fill me with your spirit, Father God, to deliver this message, not from myself, but from you, Father. Lord, we ask all these things in your Son's holy name, and the church said, amen. Let's do a quick word study on the word ceasing and what that means. Webster defines ceasing as to bring or come to an end. To bring or come to an end. So without ceasing would obviously mean to never come to an end, right? It's the opposite of ceasing. The Greek for form of this word, which I found out this week that my father-in-law loves when I, when I use the uh, Greek words that he says. He says, I'm, he says sometimes he thinks I'm making it up up here and I'm just like jibber-jabbering. But the Greek form of this word is adia apitos. Now, it does sound like I'm just making that up, but I promise you that that is the Greek term, which simply means continually, continually. It doesn't mean nonstop. It just means reoccurring. So this is not one giant utterance that we just never stop praying, but it is one giant run-on sentence that we just keep adding commas and colons and semicolons and all those punctuations things on there to just keep it going. It's a constant open communication between ourselves and God. Nowhere do we ever get to a point in our prayer lives where we just say, God, I'm done. This is it. I'm never going to come back to you. But it is a constant communication, reoccurring instance where we are praying to God. J.B. Lightfoot put it this way. He says, it is not in the moving of our lips that is the essence that our prayers consist, but it is in the elevation of our hearts towards God. So it's not a constant uttering of words, but it is in a place of elevating our hearts to be in a God-conscious state of mind. John MacArthur describes it this way. He says it's an attitude. To pray without ceasing is an attitude in which we view the world. All that is happening in my life should translate to prayer. So when you see something good, that should bring forth praise and thanksgiving to God. When you see something that's confusing, it should bring forth an asking for wisdom in that situation. When you're experiencing suffering, as Kevin has done a phenomenal job of explaining lately, when you're experiencing suffering, that leads to crying out or lamenting, as Kevin mentioned uh, last week or two weeks ago, and crying out for strength. So this praying without ceasing means that in every circumstance, in every place of life that you find yourself in, your response should be to pray. At the essence, that is what praying without ceasing means. It does not mean that for 24 hours a day, seven days a week, we never stop praying with our words. But it means for 24 hours a day, seven days a week, our heart is elevated to God and to respond to prayer with prayer in every circumstance that comes our way. 
That is simply what praying without ceasing means. But see, why do we not have that? Why do we not find ourselves in that constant state of praying without ceasing? Well, I believe that there's three three, uh, things that I want to bring out this morning that either bring us to that state or keep us out of that state. How we do in these particular areas, I feel like, is kind of going to be a self-reflection upon ourselves this morning to make sure we look at ourselves and say, it may be this, it may be this, it may be these, it may be all of these for the reason why we don't find ourselves in a constant state of prayer. And those are the three D's that I want to bring out this morning. It's desire, dependence, and determination. I'm not very creative, so when I can find three points that all use the same letter, I'm pretty excited about it. So desire, dependence, and determination. First, let's look at desire. Psalm 73.25 says this, whom have, I ha- whom have I in heaven but you? And there is nothing on earth that I desire besides you. The psalmist crying out to God here. We are driven by our desires. Driven by our desires. Everything we do and enjoy comes from a desire for that particular thing. I believe in this Christian life, we become weighed down by things such as praying, reading our Bible, coming to church, etc. Because at the very core, they become duties to us rather than desires for us. Think about duty and desire. For me, I love to play sports. I love to play sports. Whether that's basketball, that's softball, uh, whatever sport it is, I enjoy playing them. And you can ask my wife, when someone asks me to play basketball or someone asks me to play softball, I don't go up to her and I say, got to play softball this weekend. Uh, They want me to play basketball. I don't want to, but uh." no, I may phrase it that way to make her think that I actually don't want to, but I actually do. But when I get those opportunities, it's like, hey, I'd kind of like to go play because I enjoy that. It's a desire of mine. But I don't look at those things as duties. I look at those things that I love to do. And the same thing happens with prayer and the reading of Scripture and the coming to church. If we find that those are things that are struggles for us to do, then we have to look at them as maybe they've become duties in our lives rather than desires of our life. And for those of you thinking out there this morning that, Josh, wow, I wish I was in your place where I just desire to go to church and I desire to read my Bible and I desire to prayer. No, 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 no. I'm with you. These become duties in my life just as much as they would in yours. Because honestly, what happens is our desiring God Our desire for God is so dampened and so weakened by our own sinful state. I'm reading a book right now called When I Don't Desire God by John Piper. Recommend that to anybody. I'll warn you right now, it's not a fun read. It stinks. Because it really puts in perspective our desire for God. But man, it's been so beneficial for me. To self-reflect on why I don't desire God. Reflect on why I don't desire the things of God. And John Piper in his book, Why I Don't Desire, When I Don't Desire God, says this when it came to moments in his life. 
John Piper, when he realized he didn't desire God, he says, I immediately came to the realization that my indwelling sin stands in the way of my full satisfaction in God. It opposes and perverts my pursuits of God. It opposes by making other things look more desirable than God. And it perverts me, it perverts by making me think that I'm pursuing joy in God when in fact I'm only in love with the gifts of God. Ouch. John Piper, one of the one of the greatest Bible teachers of my time, struggles with desiring God, and he and he got to this point where he gets to, he says, it's his natural sin flesh that makes it's that constant struggle. When the enemy tries to make other things look more desirable than what God is, and then when we do that, we pursue the things that are more desirable because we don't want to pursue things that we view as duties. Augustine puts it this way in one of his prayers. He said, I was astonished that now I loved you, God. I did not persist in my enjoyment of God. Your beauty drew me to you, but soon I was dragged away from you by my own weight and dismay. I plunged again into the things of this world as though I had sensed the fragrance of the fair, but was not yet able to eat it. See, we struggle with desiring God. It's a constant spiritual battle that we face. But honestly, in thinking that, thinking that this, in, in Piper's book, When I Don't Desire God, he calls it, it the, kind of the second title of that is Fighting for Joy. We must fight. But we also must understand that how do we desire God, Josh? How do I get to that point where I desire to go to God in prayer? How do I get to that point where I desire to read my Bible? How do I get to that point where I desire to gather with the body of believers? Is it by sure willpower? Man, I sure hope not. Because I've been in moments in my life where I find myself lacking in desire for God and the things of God. And the more I try and the harder I try on my own, the more and more I realize how far I am from God and how awful I am and how, how depraved I am and how incapable I am of pursuing God on my own. We read of the story of the rich young ruler that Jesus comes about with his disciples and he says he wants to know the things of God, right? He wants to know the things of God. He wants to pursue God. And what does God tell him? He says, sell all your goods. Sell everything you have and come after me. And did he do it? No, he couldn't. And what does Jesus tell the disciples when the disciples say, why couldn't he do that? Jesus says, with man it is impossible, but with God it is and that all things are possible. Only God can make our depraved hearts desire him. We are helpless in our pursuit for desiring God and the things of God on our own. We will not naturally seek the things of God. You can look at your own life. I can look at my own life and find several Almost every sense. Let's just be honest, everybody. We enjoy our sins. That's why we continue to keep doing those sins. We enjoy them. Our flesh finds pleasure in them. 
Paul himself, when it came to desiring the things of God and doing the things of God, tells us in Romans 7, 15 to 25, he says, For I do not understand my own actions, for I do not know, for I do not do what I want, but I do the very thing that I hate. Now, if I do what I do want, I agree with the law. That is good. So now it is no longer I who do it, but the sin that dwells within me. For I know that nothing good dwells within me that is in my flesh. For that I have the desire to do what is right, but not the ability to carry it out. For I do not do the good I want, but the evil I do not want is what I keep on doing. Now if I do what I do not want, it is no longer I who do it, but sin that dwells within me. So I find it to be the law that when I want to do right, evil lies close at hand. For I delight in the law of God in my inner being, but I see in my members another law waging war against the law of my mind and making me captive to the sin that dwells within my members. Wretched man that I am, who will deliver me from this body of death? Paul finds himself in this constant struggle of wanting to desire God, wanting to do the things of God, but he finds himself constantly doing the things that he doesn't want to do. This is Paul we're talking about. And I don't mean this any disrespect for anybody in here, but none of us have reached, I shouldn't say none of us should, but we're not really at the spiritual level that Paul was, including myself. Can we get there? Absolutely. But Paul, who I read about in the New Testament, was one of the most godly men that we read about, and he struggled with the indwelling sin that was within him. But what does he say? He says, who will deliver me from this? Who will deliver me from this captivity of wanting to do what is right but not having the ability to do so? He says in verse 25, thanks be to God through Jesus Christ our Lord. So then I myself serve the law of God with my mind, but with my flesh I serve the law of sin. We miss out, uh, everybody, we miss out on what the battle truly is. When we struggle to desire God, it is not it is not the things that take the place of God that's the problem. We do not wage war against flesh and blood, but against the spiritual powers and the spiritual beings that are constantly fighting the spiritual war that, was, that is in, within us. And we are unable to overcome our ungodly desires on our own. Is there responsibility in us overcoming that? Absolutely. We need to take steps in overcoming that sin. But brothers and sisters, let me hear tell you today, you cannot break the chains of captivity of your sin without the, the, without the chain-breaking power of the Lord and Savior, Jesus Christ. You will never desire God until he places that desire in you through his spirit and you start to walk in his spirit. Ask for that. So how do we, once we understand our desire for God, I think that that pulls us away from praying in constant state because we're not going to do the things that we feel are our duties. But when we find ourselves desiring God, then we'll find ourselves in prayer for God. It's one of those things that we enjoy. The second point is dependence. So once we realize that we have a lack of desire to pursue God in our natural flesh and the things of God, it brings us to a point in ourselves where we understand that we're incapable and we're completely deprived of actually doing anything in our lives that are worth any sort of eternal value. So what do we do then? Therefore, this leading, this, this, this state of incapability that we have leads us to depend on something that can get us out of that. 
And in that dependence, we turn to God to provide us with everything that we need because on our own, we can't produce anything. And then once we get into that dependence, we get into a heart of thanksgiving because we realize everything that good that comes into our lives is not a result of what we've done, but it's a result of God blessing us in that. So I believe that dependence comes in two different parts. The first is our reliance, and the second is our recognition. In our reliance upon God, we come to a state of mind of understanding our need for him in every area of our lives. We have to rely on him. That's what faith is all about, right? Faith is all about getting rid of trusting in ourselves and surrendering our will and our trust and faith over to God. When we do that, we rely on God. And well, how do we rely on God? We're in a constant state of prayer to him with everything that comes into our lives. We're bringing to his feet and saying, God, I can't do this. I need you. First Peter 5.7 says, cast all your anxieties on him because he cares for you. Cast all of your worries, your anxieties, your trials, your suffering. Cast it all upon him because you are incapable of getting out of it on your own. We must rely on God. And then once we start to rely on him, then that brings in the second R that I was talking about, and that's that recognition. I believe a, a huge part of our dependence is recognizing that God, not only are we relying on God, but in that recognition we're realizing that God has actually provided in our lives. So not only do we depend on him to provide every need, but we recognize that he has provided every need. And this brings forth prayers of thanksgiving, which Paul, or Paul brings up in Philippians 4.19. It says, And God, my God will supply every need of yours according to the riches in Christ Jesus our Lord. We could probably spend the rest of the church service today each just sharing our testimonies of how God has supplied what we need in our lives at that very moment. You know what? That actually sounds like a pretty good idea if we would do that, right? To sit and just listen to how God has been so faithful in the lives. That's what Nate and I like to do on the podcast. We bring people on and just listen to how God has been so faithful in their lives and it encourages us. But once we see that God has provided that need, we should Praise him back with thanksgiving in our hearts. Being in a place of utter dependence upon God will bring forth a lifestyle of prayer without ceasing. When we depend on God, we find ourselves wanting to be in constant communication with him. John MacArthur puts it in his sermon on 1 Thessalonians 5.17. He puts it this way. He says, praying without ceasing is simply engaging in the recognition of that dependence by taking everything directly to the throne and to the power supply. We recognize the stupendous resources that are ours in the power of God as well as the promise of God, so we live in a constant state of humiliation, or not, yeah, yeah, humiliation, perpetual recognition of personal insufficiency. So we must humble ourselves in Come to Christ, understanding he provides us everything we need. And if you remember back to my last message on our attitude in prayer, we see the difference between the tax collector and the Pharisee, right? The tax collector, or the Pharisee comes in thinking that he has everything. He doesn't need anything from God when he comes to God in prayer. It's more just telling God, look how awesome I am. But the tax collector comes in humility 
And he comes before the Father saying, I need your mercy. That's the attitude in which we come in an attitude of dependence and humility. The, the last D we talk about is determination. But what about those times that we don't want to pray? What about those times we don't want to pray? Let's just help myself out and help everyone else here. Raise your hand if you've ever had times where you just don't want to pray. Oh, good. I'm not the only one. There are times when we don't want to pray. I just don't. I know I should, but I'm just tired. I, I just want to scroll on Facebook or Twitter. I just want to, I just want to watch the game. I just want to rest my mind for just a little bit that my day has been crazy busy. We, we get to this point in our lives where we find ourselves not wanting to pray. Brothers and sisters, that's okay. It's okay. We all experience that. We don't always desire God, which leads us to stop praying. And we also become self-sufficient where we no longer depend on God. We depend on our own abilities. We depend on our own selves. And we find those times that we're tired of praying. And guess what? Sometimes we don't want to pray because we don't really feel like it's making that much of a difference. We feel like it's not making that much of a, dis a difference. And I'm not going to ask us to get personal this morning, but if I asked us to raise our hands in that sense, how many of us have stopped praying because we really haven't seen that prayer answer, we really haven't seen our circumstance change? God, I've been praying for weeks. I've been praying for months. Some of us in here have been praying for years. And we find ourselves in a state of wanting to stop praying because we really are not seeing what we want to see. Notice how I phrase that. We, we stop praying because we don't see what we want to see. But in our prayer, God answers our prayers. Do you believe that this morning, that God answers our prayers? Respond if you do and say an amen. He does. And when we think that we've been praying for a long time and we feel like God hasn't answered that prayer the way we wanted to, I think back to Paul. When Paul prayed for that thorn that was in his side, he prayed and he prayed and he prayed for God to remove that thorn and he never did. Why? God had a purpose. Let's understand that just because prayer is not being answered in the way that we want it to be answered, and I think Kevin's been doing a phenomenal job in, ta in tackling this in several different sermons, but when God doesn't answer our prayers the way we want them to be answered, don't think for a second that he's not listening or he's not answering, but maybe he's doing what's best for us in those moments, and he's giving us what we just talked about, exactly what we need. Because oftentimes, what's it say? Even if we don't know what we need, the Spirit is there interceding for us, praying for us in our spiritual need, and He knows what we need. But I think that this becomes a stumbling block for us in our prayer, and that's why I'm asking you today to have determination and remain persistent in your prayer. Our call to worship this morning was Colossians 4.2 that said, Continue steadfastly everyone say steadfastly 
You know what that means? That means continual. Don't, don't give up. Don't give up. Remain steadfast in your prayer. Determination is simply a positive emotional feeling that involves persevering towards a difficult goal in spite of obstacles. The only reason I did not use the word persevering is because it didn't start with a D. So determination and persevering are synonyms. We must persevere in our prayers. Yesterday in our Bible study, our Stand Firm men's group, we talked about the discipline of perseverance. Persevering in those difficult times when we feel like our prayers are not being answered. I just feel that many times we stop praying because life becomes difficult. Obstacle, obstacles start to get in the way. Obstacles such as a lack of results, outside distractions, busyness, and ultimately our sin. Look at the parable given to us by Jesus in Luke chapter 18. Luke chapter 18, verses 1 to 8. This is the parable of the persistent widow. He said, and he told them a parable to the effect that they ought to always pray and not lose heart. He said, in a certain city there was a judge who neither feared God nor respected man. And there was a widow in that city who kept coming to him and saying, give me justice against my adversary. For a while he refused, but afterwards he said to himself, though I neither fear God nor respect man, yet because this widow keeps bothering me, I will give her justice so that she will not beat me down by her continual coming. And the Lord said, hear what the unrighteous judge says. And will, God, will not God give justice to his elect who cried to him day and night? Will he delay long over them? I tell you, he will give justice to them speedily. Nevertheless, when the Son of Man comes, will he find faith on earth? That parable is such a perfect example to us of being persistent in our prayers. Continuing to pray, continuing to pray, continuing to pray. Let me give you a, 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 a little nugget here that maybe you didn't know or maybe you, maybe you feel sometimes. God is not annoyed with you. God is, God is not annoyed with you. Do not think for a second that God is not listening to you or you go to prayer at him, you go to prayer to him and he thinks, oh, here comes Josh again. Oh, have we not just continued to do this over and over, Josh? You're not seeing results because I don't want to answer that prayer. That's not how, that's not how God operates. Christ compares God to the unjustice judge here, and he says, if he is willing to answer that, how much more is our loving Heavenly Father to answer your requests before Him? Remain persistent in your prayers. And brothers and sisters, when we don't receive immediate results, see, our definition of swift justice is not the same as the Lord's definition. The parable of the persistent widow demonstrates that effective prayer requires tenacity and faithfulness to continue in praying. But see, a genuine disciple of Christ 
they, they must learn that never, to never give up in prayer. We should never give up in prayer. And when we never give up in prayer, we base that on the absolute trust and faith in God that he will answer our prayers. We can fully count on the Lord to answer when and where and how he chooses. Kevin brought this up last week, and I didn't know if he had ever seen the movie before. But he talked about if God answered all of our prayers. I think I've mentioned it here before. It's not a movie I'd recommend, but it gives us a good example. Uh, Bruce Almighty. Has anybody ever seen Bruce Almighty? He talks with God, and God lets him be God because he's mad at God, and he thinks that he can do better. And he's getting these prayer requests all the time. And then what's he do? He puts them in an email file. And then all these emails come in. And what he does is he just ultimately goes, clicks, selects all in his email box. And he says, answer yes to all. And then he says, click. And he says, there. Now everybody got what they wanted. He goes out on the street. Streets are on fire. Cars are flipped over. People are winning the lottery. He said his sister won the lottery. She called him and said, I won the lottery. He goes, oh, that's awesome. She goes, yeah, it was only $15 because a bunch of other people won too. See, when we, when we think that if God just answers yes to all of our prayers in the way that we want him to answer them, then we find ourselves in a bad spot. But man, how awesome is it to know that when we pray, we know that God is going to answer those prayers when, where, and how he chooses. I'm so glad that God chooses to answer my prayers the way he chooses instead of the way I choose. Because I don't know what's best for myself. I get myself in messes all the time because I think I know what's best for myself. So when we don't see that, God expects us to keep asking, keep seeking, keep knocking until answers come. Keep persisting, because guess what? The, the, what God may want in the persistentness of our prayers, if that's even a word, persistentness, I make up words sometimes, persistentness of our prayers, when we do that, what God may want in our persistence in prayer may be the journey in waiting and trusting and growing in the time of waiting. I know that's what he wants because it grows our faith. It builds our faith. Disciples of Jesus are people who are persistent and determined in their faith in prayer. So, brothers and sisters, I don't know what, you, what it is that you're facing today, but I do know this. Keep on praying. Keep on praying. Don't stop. Persevere through the difficult times. Persevere. I love this. When we fail to pray, that's when temptation comes in. Remember in Mark chapter 14, when Jesus asked the disciples to pray as he was going off to the garden to pray? He came back, and what were they all doing? Sleeping. They were all sleeping. And he said to Peter, Simon, are you asleep? Could you not watch for one hour? Watch and pray that you may not enter into temptation because the spirit indeed is willing but the flesh is weak when we stop being determined and persevering in our prayer that's when the enemy can start to come in that's when temptation can start to come in toby mack anybody know toby mack yeah toby mack he he had a quote on his twitter not too long ago that says pray p 
P-R-A-Y, without ceasing, because the enemy is praying, P-R-E-Y-I-N-G, without ceasing. Pretty cool, right? Pray without ceasing, because the enemy is praying like a roaring lion without ceasing. He's not stopping. So constantly be persisting in prayer. Well, in conclusion, when Paul tells us in 1 Thessalonians 5.17, pray without ceasing, he knew the difficulty in giving this command to the church in Thessalonica. He understood the challenge that it was going to be for them, and he understood the challenge it was going to be for us, just human beings in general. Paul himself said once, labor with me in prayer. So he didn't think that it was something that was super easy to do. Well, he says, labor with me in prayer. So how, how, can we, how can we in our lives be in a constant state of prayer? How can we pray without ceasing? If we look at this, it's, it can be difficult in our lives. Because understanding that we are constant, that word constant, I mean, wouldn't we get worn down? Wouldn't we become bored? Wouldn't we become frustrated with not seeing the results that we've been asking for? Absolutely we would. That's our flesh. That's our flesh that makes it hard to do this. Paul himself became worn down. Paul himself struggled, became frustrated. Paul himself experienced all these. And praying without ceasing is not, is not something that we can set in our minds from this moment today and say, today... I'm going to start praying without ceasing. It's not going to work. I love the, I love the, the gumption in that. I love the, the determination in that. But just saying it and saying, from today on, I'm, not, I'm going to pray without ceasing. It's not going to work. It's something that springs forth. It's something that springs forth in knowing God. It's something that springs forth in desiring God. See, it becomes a way of living when we recognize our sin, we recognize our depravity, and we fully depend on God in every area of our life. It becomes part of our being when we become praying, when we start praying without ceasing, because when we find ourselves struggling, when we continue to persevere in prayer, knowing that God will answer your prayers and answer and he has good in store for you. Praying without ceasing is just being consciously aware of God and being act that He's active in your life. It's praying without ceasing is thanking Him in the good times, crying out to Him in the struggle, seeking wisdom in the confusion, and seeking strength when we're burdened by the world. So when we want to get to this point of praying without ceasing, we have to look at those three areas we talked about this morning. Where is our desire? Where is our dependence? Are we persevering? Are we determined in our prayer lives? I feel like if we can figure out those three things, then we can be a people who are praying without ceasing. I want to close with Romans 12, 12 that says this. He says, 
Rejoice in hope. Be patient in tribulation. And be constant in prayer. Be constant in prayer. Let's pray. Heavenly Father, Lord, we just come to you right now. God, we thank you, Father, for just this gift of prayer. God, we thank you, Father, Lord, that you have provided us a way to even come before you. And Father, God, you did that by sending your son down. Father, unworthy, undeserving beings, Father God, not being worthy to come into your presence, Lord. You made a way to give us this righteousness. And Father God, I thank you for that. But Father, I often think times in my own life, and I feel in others, Father God, that we become, we take that for granted. God, that we look at our lives, Father, and we, 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 we forget. We desire the things of the world. Lord, we become very self-dependent upon, our, uh, upon ourselves and our abilities. Father God, we, we become worn down, Lord, frustrated. And Father God, that's what ultimately leads us to not being in this constant state of prayer. It's what keeps us from praying without ceasing. So Father God, this morning I pray, God, that you would just give us that desire in our hearts to chase after you. God, give us that desire that we can sing as the psalmist does, Father God, that, Lord, who do I have but you in heaven, Father God? I desire no one and nothing in this world but you. Lord, give us that desire today. Father God, give us the, 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 the state of dependence, Father God, Lord, that we can depend on you in every area of our lives, Lord, that we look upon ourselves understanding, Lord, that yes, why we may be gifted, that you've given us that gift, Father God, Lord, that you've given us a way for uh, providing any need that we have, and Lord, we just solely depend on you for those things. And Father God, give us the strength to persevere, to, to be determined, Father God, in our prayer. Father God, let us be a church of praying people. And Lord, believing that prayer changes things. God, make our hearts turn to you today. And we thank you and we love you. We ask all these things in Jesus' name. Amen.